The Bible Study Podcast, episode 218. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of Daniel with chapter 7. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. This week, we're getting into the second half of Daniel, and I warned at the beginning that we may not do every chapter here in the second part of Daniel, and the reason for that actually is worth going into, especially in light of some of the things that happened here over the last week and a half. So once we get into chapter 7, we're looking at very specific prophecies of Daniel, but meaning of which is not clear. This is very apocalyptic writing in the sense it's very much writing that is in code. And so it gets used quite a lot when you look at anybody who's doing end time predictions. Uh, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation being the three primary books in the Bible which are used for those sort of things, which contain visions that are unclear. And therefore, I don't really tend to spend a lot of time talking about them, and I'm not sure that we'll do every chapter here at the end of Daniel. We probably won't. We'll probably skip around a little bit as we wrap up this study. But I wanted to pause here because I realized after I had recorded the last episode that I had not said anything about the prediction that some people had that the rapture was coming. And it didn't actually even occur to me to talk about it because, honestly, I had a hard time taking it seriously. And I say I have a hard time taking it seriously not because I don't believe in the rapture. I Certainly there are verses in the Bible that we interpret as the rapture. It's not a very clear or central theme in the Bible, but it is certainly there are verses there that can be taken as the people who are in the world, who are believers, are taken out in the midst of a great tribulation. Verses from both the Gospels as well as from Matthew as well as from Revelation. But there are also very clear verses that talk about that Jesus says that he alone, that he doesn't even know the day or the hour, that the Father alone knows that. And very clear verses that talk, especially in Matthew, about that he will come like a thief in the night and that no one will be prepared. And so Honestly, it had not occurred to me to talk about it on the show until it was already too late, until I had already recorded that episode. I had tweeted about it a little bit last week that it was my full intention that I was going to be recording this week's episode of the Bible Study Podcast on planet Earth, that I was not anticipating that there would be a rapture, certainly not last Saturday. Now, you know, Maybe next Saturday. I don't really know when things are coming, but the last thing I expected was that it would happen on a day when someone had predicted. Because for me, when someone comes forward and says that they have predicted a date and have been wrong once, which is what had already happened, um, that already does not qualify by the biblical standard of being a prophet. The biblical standard being a prophet is that you're right 100% of the time. And that the penalty actually in the Bible for being wrong, being a false prophet, was death. So certainly something that we don't want to delve into a lot is doing a lot of speculation and false prophecy. But the reason for that is it takes great chutzpah to say that this is something that the Father didn't even tell the Son, but I figured it out. And so in general... 
whether this is the last time in your lifetime something like this happens or whether this happens again next October, because I understand a new date has been predicted, this is something that I would not trust ever, period. And so I'm sorry that I didn't mention on the show, because just honestly, it didn't occur to me that it was a big deal for some people. But then I started reading stories of people who literally had slit the throat of their children so that they wouldn't have to live through this particular day, uh, which I think is just completely horrible and terribly, terribly irresponsible for someone to come up with these sort of theories and the reason that I bring it up here in Daniel 7 is Daniel 7 is one of those chapters that leads us to do that sort of thing. So as we look at Daniel 7, we're going to come up with some unsatisfying unsureness. We're not going to know exactly what he's talking about here. And sometimes when we're reading the Bible, especially when we're reading these prophetic accounts here in Revelation or in Daniel, I think we need to be satisfied that we can't pull apart, that we can't figure out all of the details of what this means ahead of time, and that to do so or to think that we've done so can lead to dangerous speculation. So anyway, jumping into Daniel chapter 7, the dream of four beasts. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream, and visions passed through his mind as he was lying in bed. He wrote down the substance of his dream. Daniel said, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me were the four winds of heaven, churning up the great sea. Four great beasts, each different from the others, came out of the sea. The first was like a lion, and had wings of an eagle. I watched until its wings were torn off, and it was lifted from the ground, so that it stood on two feet like a human being, and the mind of a human was given to it. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, Get up and eat your fill of flesh. After that I looked, and there before me was another beast, one that looked like a leopard. And on its back it had four wings like those of a bird. This beast had four heads, and it was given authority to rule. After that, in my vision at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth, it crushed and devoured its victims, and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from the other former beasts, and it had ten horns. While I was thinking about the horns, there before me was another horn, a little one, which came up among them, and three of the first horns were uprooted before it. This horn had eyes like the eyes of a human being, and a mouth that spoke boastfully." And before we get into how that's speaking, let's go back and pause here for a second and go over what we've learned so far. One is we've gone back in time a little from Daniel 6. Daniel 6 happens after King Belshazzar of Babylon has been overthrown and his kingdom has been divided among the Medes and the Persians. And so this is going backwards in time a little bit because the second half of the book being different in substance from the first half, which is narrative. First half narrative, second half is prophecy. And then the other thing that we learn is that this all occurs to Daniel in a dream. And he writes down this dream, and this dream is about four different beasts. And there are four different beasts. There are different types of beasts. We get a uh, eagle-winged lion. We get a bear, a leopard, and a fourth beast, which isn't described other than the fact that it has iron teeth and has ten horns. And from this, we can interpret 
a lot of things, <laughs> but let's not yet. Let's go on to what this tenth horn, which has a little horn, says. As I looked, thrones were set in place, and the Ancient of Days took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. The hair on his head was white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire, and its wheels were all ablaze. A river of fire was flowing, coming out from before him. Thousands upon thousands attended him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. Then I continued to watch because of the boastful words the horn was speaking. I kept looking until the beast was slain and its body destroyed and thrown into the blazing fire. The other beasts had been stripped of their authority, but were allowed to live for a period of time. In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was one like a son of man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the Ancient of Days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All nations and people of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed." So we get this picture here. Now we're in heaven. So before we were seeing four beasts come out of the water, and now we are in heaven in the throne room of God. And we get the Ancient of Days, or we get God, or God the Father, as we might say, God the Creator. The Ancient of Days, we get white, we get bright, we get awesome, we get terrifying, we get fire, we get wheels ablaze. I'm not sure why a throne has wheels. Uh, that is interesting in and of itself. We get thousands upon thousands attending and ten thousands times ten thousands standing before him. So there's this awesome majesty of God in the throne room of God. In and amongst this, we get the beast who's thrown down and then one who comes like a son of man. And clearly, the one thing that is clear in this is God is awesome and that there's one who is coming who is like the son of man, who is led into his presence and given all glory and sovereign power. Now, as we look at this from post-New Testament, we clearly see that in Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14, that the one who is given all authority, glory, and sovereign power is Christ. As Daniel is talking about it, remember, Jesus is still in the future, or at least Jesus is still in the future in, in terms of his coming. So, again, we're left as we were in the study of Revelation with the question of, are we talking about the past or are we talking about the future? And we haven't got anything clearly yet that has told us one or the other. We have four nations, possibly. Now, we already had a dream in Daniel about four nations coming who would be like the king of Babylon who would come after him. The interpretation of that was that these are kingdoms that will come after you. Remember, it was the, the golden head and the bronze and then the feet that were of bronze and clay. And, and all of that were the nations that would come after, which we interpreted as being the Medes and the Persians and the Greeks and the Romans. Possibly we're looking at the same vision in a different way possibly these four kingdoms that we're looking at, or these four beasts represent four kingdoms. The only thing that sounds at all familiar with that is that the fourth kingdom would be ten horns, and ten horns could represent the ten hills of Rome, 
Or maybe the Ten Horns represents something else entirely. Maybe we're still looking at the future. Not clear. But we start to get here in verse 15 into the interpretation of the dream. I, Daniel, was troubled in spirit, and the visions that passed through my mind disturbed me. I approached one of those standing there and asked him the meaning of all of this. So he told me and gave me the interpretation of these things. The four great beasts are four kings that will rise from the earth. But the holy people of the Most High will receive the kingdom and will possess it forever, yes, forever and ever. Then I wanted to know the meaning of the fourth beast, who is different from all the others and most terrifying, with its iron teeth and bronze claws, the beast that crushed and devoured its victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. I also wanted to know about the ten horns on its head and the other horn that came up, before which three of them fell, the horn that looked more imposing than the others and that had eyes and a mouth and that spoke boastfully. As I watched, this horn was waging war against the most holy people and defeating them until the ancients of days came and pronounced judgment in favor of the holy people of the most high and the time came when they possessed the kingdom he gave this explanation the fourth beast is a fourth kingdom that will appear in the earth it will be different from all the other kingdoms and will devour the whole earth trampling it down and crushing it the ten horns are ten kings that will come from this kingdom after them another king will arise different from the earlier ones he will subdue three kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set time and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. But the court will sit, and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High." His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all the rulers will worship and obey him. This is the end of the matter. I, Daniel, was deeply troubled by my thoughts, and my face turned pale, but I kept the matter to myself. Again, four beasts, four kingdoms, past kingdoms, future kingdoms. I think I, like Daniel, am still deeply troubled with Daniel's thoughts, and while I won't keep the matter to myself, it doesn't even sound like Daniel is clear what he's looking at or when it's going to happen and what it means to be delivered into his hands for time and half a time, for time, times, and half a time. We could make this try and fit into some of the persecution of the early believers that happens under Rome and try and figure out whether 10 rulers into Rome, we get to the right place where persecution happens. And coincidentally enough, after 10 Caesars, after 10 emperors, the 11th emperor will be the emperor Domitian, and Domitian will be one of the people who actively opposes Christianity. So maybe we're talking about that. Or we can say that this is some other yet-to-be kingdom, and this is some other yet-to-be time. We don't know. I don't know. But a couple things are clear again. One... We got a clear vision here, and it's always interesting to me when we get a prophecy like John in Revelation or like Daniel here, when he's brought up into the presence of the Ancient of Days, just how awesome and awe-inspiring the description is. We only get a small glimpse of the presence and the power of God, and Daniel got a larger one. The other thing that's clear is that God is in control, that whatever's going to happen will happen on God's schedule. And that in the end, as we said when we studied Revelation, that God wins. 
I'm not sure I can give you a lot of other explanation about Daniel, and certainly not without stepping into those boundaries that we've already seen some cross recently, of saying more than I know is sure, and treading on thin ground. So with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. And as I said, it's not going to end as cleanly as some have. But again, one of the things that we learn is that God wins. If you have any questions on this episode, feel free to leave them at thebiblestudypodcast.com as a comment, or send me an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.